Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Well, good morning, New Life. It's great to see you this morning. I am not sure how I follow up that worship set. Can we give them applause, you know, because that was... That was, that was awesome. I mean, I feel energized now, so we'll see what happens with the message. But do we have any graduates here? Raise your hand if you, if you are a graduate. <laughs> we got a couple. Well, New Life wants to bless you guys. Uh, we, because I know at least for Allie and you, that... It takes a village, right? And so it's like you guys have all been part of Allie's life, and her actually getting to this point, and same for you, uh, was awesome. And so what I want to do is we want to pray for you real quick and just say thank you so much for being part of this uh, community. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. I would just want to pray for the graduates right now. Lord, just give them the strength and endurance to walk into this world, to walk in this corrupt world. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you speak to them in a way that they understand, uh, with open ears, open hearts, and open minds, so that you can guide them along uh, your path, Lord. We just ask for your protection and your words of wisdom. In your precious name, amen. All right, well, let's get diving into parables. I do have to start out with, a, uh, if I seem a little bit anxious, this morning we had quite an event at our house this morning, which really got me going, and so I want to tell you about it. It won't take long. So I was sitting on the back porch uh, with my dog. I'm just enjoying the morning, and my dog is sniffing around something in the far corner of our porch. I'm like, all right, I don't know what she's going after now, but it's either food or something else. All of a sudden... Um, I see a head of something really small come out and stare at me because my dog's over here on this left side, right? And so this, this chipmunk stares at me. I know I left my sliding door open to the house. <laughs> I, I look at it. I said, don't you dare. And it did dare. It went over to the door and it stopped. I'm telling you, it stopped and looked at me. We went eye to eye. <laughs> eye to eye. I'm like, please don't. And my dog is no help. He's just over here still smelling. And I'm just like, what are you doing? And that, dog, that, that chipmunk went right inside the house. I'm like, oh my Lord. Oh, what am I going to do? So it's like, I got to get ready for a message. And so... I ran inside, and I'm like, June, come on, let's go inside. And she's nowhere to be found. She's still outside smelling around. She is not a hunting dog. Let's just be clear. She's still tracking back way over there. We think we got it out of the house. <laughs> we opened the door and kind of ushered it in that direction, but neither one of us actually saw it leave. Further, we cannot rely on June to tell us if the dog is still there or if the chipmunk is still in the house. So, that might be the initial prayer that we have is that we don't have a chipmunk in, in the house. 
So anyway, I told you that wasn't, I couldn't tie that into parables at all. You could probably take it for what it's worth. And so when we think of parables, um, parables are fictitious stories uh, meant to provoke engagement. And, and I love the fact that from a story perspective, I'm not a big reader. My wife is a big reader, but she loves the fact, and I do too, in that we can see ourselves in stories. We kind of pick out a character, right? We kind of look at the story and we're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm probably totally this person. And what I love about parables is that it provokes engagement, right, if, if we let it. If, if we don't motor on through that parable, if we stop and think, really, what, where am I at in this story? And then it's also going to show God's identity, in that story as well. And, and I'm telling you, every time I go through a, a parable and, and stop and think and like, where am I at? I get way more out of it. And so I think of like the Good Samaritan, right? And so I'm not going to go into that whole thing. But I will say from a Good Samaritan standpoint, I'm always the good guy, right? I'm always the guy that, oh yeah, yeah, I would, I would stop. I would totally stop and help the Samaritan. That's me, that's me, that's me. But a lot of times i got to be honest with myself, right? I, th- I think a big piece of this for us, when we read Scripture, and, and we're going to touch on being open to hear God's Word, that we're willing to brush away um, our closed-mindedness to hear what God is telling us. And maybe I'm not, I'm not the good guy in this story. Maybe I'm one of the guys that passed up. And so... But this is good news in that I can learn. I can become closer to God, right? And so I want to change. I want to be different according to what Scripture says and what according to what God says. That is truly what I want, and that's really what I want for you guys. So last week, I do want to touch on this real briefly. Um, we talked about the landowner. Do you guys remember this? We talked about the landowner and then he went out to get people to work for him. He went and got people in the morning. He, went people, he got people in the afternoon. He got people in the late afternoon. And when they all came in to be paid, they all got the same amount. And in this parable, like Kirk was talking about, I immediately identified with the guys that work early. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a guy that likes to work, and I, I want to do the right thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, I would have went really early but I've been really mad if the people that came and worked for an hour got paid the same amount. I would have been super upset. But what Kirk mentioned is this quote here. So God does not offer what we deserve. So I don't deserve payment for any of this. But extends a generous offer of salvation through his grace. And so he offers it to us to have freely. And so I don't deserve to be paid anything, but he gives it. And so in that parable, I stepped back from where I thought I was at in in myself. And I was like, okay, I get it. And I want to be that person where um, I know I don't deserve it, but I know God wants me to have it. And so he freely gives it. And so I I just love that in last week's. And so I just wanted a quick refresher there. So this week... Uh, we're going to be talking about counting the cost. And so this picture right here is of my oldest daughter who just graduated. And I can tell you the cost of this picture 
is heavy, is heavy. And so when we think of this picture, we're thinking, okay, yeah, from a, from a monetary standpoint, yeah, there's probably a lot, but there's, I found out there's way, way more that goes into that. And so if you would have talked to me 22 years ago before we had kids, I would have said, oh, yeah, how hard could it be? I looked it up online, and here's what it said. It said, all I needed was 84000 in housing, uh, 52000 in food, 46 in child care, and that's over 18 years. I was like, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I got this. We'd have friends and stuff tell us, hey, you should think about this. I'm like, mm, I got it. I got it. It's fine, because I, I never really counted the cost very well. And I would say to this day, even though I am an accountant, <laughs> I don't count the cost very well because I don't think of the things outside of monetary, right? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today is this outside, this, this monetary thing. And so with the kids, you know, we're talking about uh, changing diapers. We're talking about uh, foods and feeding. We're talking about sleepless nights, Right? Where, where your child is up sick and you have a sleepless night and they're not, they're not wanting to go to bed and sleepless. And a big piece of this for me was like, well, I didn't know you could reason with, you couldn't reason with a two-year-old in the back seat that's crying and it's just like, hey, we only have 10 more miles. Can't you like, hey, chill out a little? No, they're still crying. And I'm like, well, how come I can't reason with this? Time. The time that we have to invest in our kids is huge. It's a huge takeaway from us. That's a big cost. And then for us, I think for a lot of parents, is, is worry, right? And so we worry about our kids. And so I remember when, when we had Allie that um, I hated having her in the same room because I couldn't sleep because I was so worried. I, like every time she turned or made a certain noise, I'd be like, ah, what is happening? Is she okay? What's wrong? But that worry continues on, right? It's the, it's the first day of kindergarten, and you're sending your kid off, or to preschool, right? It's just like you're worried for them. Are they going to have friends? Are they going to get along in class? Are they going to behave in class? It moves, and it moves on to uh, getting a car, you know? It's just like, is she going to be okay driving? Are the other drivers going to be okay and safe? And then college is almost the exact same thing. When we sent her off to college that very first week, it was as if we were sending her off to preschool. It doesn't change, except now we don't get to see her. We gave her five bucks and said, here you go. Have a good time, right? And so I hope you do well. But you have all of this cost that just waits on you. I have another daughter, Emily. She'd be upset if I didn't put her picture up here, so I thought I'd share it with everybody. She actually didn't graduate, but she thought it'd be funny to put on Allie's uh, cap and gown. But she actually started working with me this week at uh, where I work, and actually not with me, but in the same building. And it's the same thing as if I was sending her off to, to uh, school, like back when she was a little kid, because I was worried for her. I'm like, Again, exact same stuff. Are the people going to be nice to her? Is she going to get along with the boss? You know, and that type of stuff. And so that worry was actually there. And so 
the question comes back, would I do it again? Right? You wonder whether I'd do it? Of course. I would do it again and again and again because what I get out of it is way more. Because there's a potential of grandkids in the future, right? Can I get an amen on grandkids? No? I got a few in there. No, we love you. I mean, it's, we love you. You know, you know that. We love the both of you. And so it's, we would do it again and again and again. But me not listening early on wouldn't have changed anything right to what the cost was. What Jesus does in this par- parable, counting the cost, is he's very upfront. Very upfront. He says that if you want to be my disciple... I need all of you. I need all of you. And so this quote here, when we are willing to give up everything, will we gain the freedom? And it doesn't sound like those two things should go hand in hand, right? It's just like, well, if I give up everything, how do I have any freedom? But you're putting God first. You're putting God as that number one. And you gain the freedom to do anything for God. You gain that freedom. And that's what he wants for you. He wants you to move with him and not have the barriers. And it's hard. I just started my whole message on my girls, my kids. But I promise you, this is about what God wants. So let's pray real quick, and we'll move into the scripture. Heavenly Father, Lord... um, Man, I I pray that you move me aside and speak through me. Lord, I ask that you take away anything that I might be harboring or anything that's not of you and just get rid of it so I can speak truth. I pray for the congregation, Lord, that, um, that anything on their hearts, that anything in their minds, and I pray that they have the courage to confront it Lord, I pray that they have open ears to hear. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you just move them in a way that um, they need to be moved. And help them take that and learn from that. In your precious name, amen. So I'm going to actually start at the very end. And so we're actually looking at Luke 14, 25, and I think it's through 35. I don't know where I got 34, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got this. Yeah. So anyway, 25 through 35. And the reason I want to start here is because this is, Jesus ends with this as kind of, I don't want to call it a, an apology. It's not an apology. He's like, he's like saying, I hope you heard what you're supposed to hear. Because a lot of times, say, the best example would be the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees we're closed off and closed-minded. And so we tend to think that, well, why wouldn't the Pharisees listen? Is like, okay, well, maybe they had, maybe they want to hang on to their power. But I tend to divert to that they just couldn't hear the truth. They were missing it. And so in this instance, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. This, this talks to closed-mindedness that we've got. And so why this was so important to me is that, you know, as a society, um, 
we are so polarized by what we see outside of Scripture, right? By what we read uh, on the internet, by what we read from the news. We are so polarized that what happens is we become closed-minded. We become closed-minded to other people's ideas. And as Christians, we need to be better at listening and loving rather than being closed-minded and trying to um, give them our moral, uh, our moral high ground, right? Our moral high ground should come from Scripture alone. And so if your moral high ground is trying to come from what a left or a right is saying, that's not us. We're, we're a kingdom culture, right, where we take Scripture and say, okay, well, here's the issue that's going on. I'm going to take it back to Scripture. I'm going to take it back to prayer, and I'm going to see what God has for me. That's what we want. We are built different. You were chosen to be here today with us, right? And so when you hear these things, this might start clawing at you a little bit, but this is, this is what Jesus was doing. Is like He's saying, you know, I hope you have ears to hear. If you feel something... Do something with it, but with an open mind, right? And that's what we want to get to. And so I do have uh, two ways of looking at it as far as if you think, if you're a closed ears or open ears. And as we go through these scriptures, I kind of want to take that and say, okay, well, let's apply that to the scripture and say, if I was a follower of following Jesus back then, would I have been closed-minded or open-minded? And so closed ears rejects new ideas and perspectives and focused on being understood. And I always throw in there, and or right. That's the Pharisees, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's who they were. That's who they were thinking. They're like, okay, this is what Scripture says. They thought they were right. And so they were closed-minded. Now, if they would have had open ears, they would welcome new ideas and perspectives and would focus on understanding, but then vet everything against the Bible. Notice I didn't say anything else, the internet or what what my friends say. Basically focusing everything on the Bible, right? So let's get into the scripture and we'll see, we'll see how I feel. And and to be clear, I'm closed-minded myself. I have parts of me that are closed-minded, and I feel like I'm getting way better at listening. But I still have a ways to go. And so if we look at Scripture, uh, let's start with uh, verse 25. So large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, Such a person cannot be my disciple, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. I got to start with this first sentence, though, because I I love this. And so, basically, Jesus is walking. He's like, oh, yeah, hey, by the way, you should hate your family. So, how how many of us would that have grabbed their attention right then and there? I mean, it would have been immediate. It would have been like... What did he say? 
And so it goes into ears to hear, right? How many of us would have checked out at that moment and said, okay, I know that's not right. I'm out of here. Well, some people didn't. Some people stayed and listened, right? They didn't all just leave. And so he's, he's just traveling, just nonchalant, hate. Now, when, when he talks about the word hate, I want to focus on that first because, okay, he's like, are you serious? Does it, does it really mean hate? And it, it does not. Uh, it, it's hyperbole. And so it's the same thing that he does with, hey, if your hand causes you to sin, you're supposed to what? You're supposed to cut it off. Well, is he mean that literally or figuratively? He's trying to make a point is that you would want to get rid of it. You would. But he's trying to make a point. And so with, with hate, I've got a couple of scripture that basically says, Mark 12, 30 through 31, love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So you can see how this is, okay, well, he says hate, but he says love. Which one? He says love. It's the greatest commandment. So we know that this, this is hyperbole. And so what he's really trying to say is nothing comes before him. He is the top. He is number one. And that goes for even our kids and our family. And it's it's hard. So when I think of our kids and type stuff, sometimes I end up putting my kids too high. I might even put them as above God, and I shouldn't, right? Because we, we, we talked about it. I used to joke with Stacy all the time about, hey, if God told us to go to Africa, would we go? She's like, no. <laughs> She's saying that in jest, right? There's a little bit of jest in that, but it's not because we love our kids so much that we're like, can't we wait till they graduate? All right, well, now can't we wait until they're not home, get married, and then it'll be, oh, we have grandkids now, and there'll be never a good time, right? But if we put God first and say, I'm sorry, Allie, Emily, we might have to leave. It, there's a possibility that we have to leave because God wants this out of me. And this frees me to follow God's path. And so for us and for me, that kids one is the biggest one for me, is, is putting them too high and not bringing them down to God, wife, kids. I land kind of at the bottom in my family. <laughs> so we're at the lower bottom. And so how did that go for our ears to hear? Did you guys open up to that? Do you guys feel like you're blocked to some of that? Or maybe it's open, which that's what we hope for you. So when we look at the very end of this verse, he basically explains what he wants again. He says, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. He's basically restating what he said there before. And if, you're, and if you're back in that time when you're following Jesus, you understood what it meant to carry your cross. Carrying your cross meant that you were going to die. They knew that. They were like, 
yeah, nobody wants to carry their cross because it's a terrible way to die. But what Jesus is telling them is, carry your cross and follow me. Die to yourself. Die to what your wants are. And I'm laying it out clear for you. There's no middle ground where I say, oh, you can, yeah, put your kids here. Um, you could put me over here. And it doesn't, that's not the way it goes. He says, all of you. Keep it simple to, for yourself. It's just make it all of you. So if we jump into verses 31 through 33. Or suppose, and, and this is Jesus basically going into the, tr- the parable piece of this. Suppose a king is about to go to war. Do we jump too far? There we go. Uh, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. We would all do that. If we were going to build something, we would make sure we have enough supplies. We'd have to make sure we have enough money. And so he's just trying to illustrate it. You can't go half in. You can't do the half in business. You have to be all in. Uh, if we look at the next verse, next verses. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. If we go into battle, and so to, to me, when I think of this, I think of the armor of God and going to battle out in the world. If we're not full, fully in to face the world, um, that's not good. We have to be all, all in and say, I give you myself completely. And in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Nothing comes before God. Right up front, we're willing to give everything. And so anything that he does give us freely, that's all bonus, right? It's all bonus. I had a thought on an additional one. Uh, This is a little humorous for, for some. The, uh, when you think of a bicycle, I've actually left my front tire at the house, and I had gone an hour to go ride somewhere, and I needed to fit the bike in the back of my car, and so you have to take off the front tire to do that, and so I threw it in, left the front tire at home, and I got there, and half the bike is worthless. There is nothing I can do. And I've tried riding wheelies before. I am not good at it. I cannot, I cannot do it. And so it was worthless to do that. Go in halfway. So my own parable. Maybe we'll add it. <laughs> so if we move on to, that, to the last verse. Salt is good, but if it loses saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them, let them hear. And so I love, to, love taking that last sentence and moving it to the top. But when they're talking about salt, it's basically saying when we compromise with the world, 
the more we compromise the world, the more godlike, the less godlike we become, right? And so we don't want to compromise with the world. And that's why, again, Jesus is just making simple and said, just give me everything. And so one, one thing that I want to leave you guys with here today is, is the reason. The question is why, right? You're like, why should I give up everything? But at the end of the day, say when I'm 100 years old, I will never be happy that I had chose my own way over God's way. That's a fact. I will never be happy that I chose my way. And I think the same goes for you as well. Is that we know our, our way is, is not a good way. Right? And so I want to choose God's way every time. And I know... I know I won't be disappointed, and I know you won't be disappointed either. So why not just give everything? If you know his way is the best way, what's holding us back? What's getting in the way of giving God everything? What are we holding on to that we need to get rid of? And when you feel those, those nudges as you read Scripture, as you read some of these parables, dig in. That's where it's at. And so I, I'm going to mess this up, but um, parables in Scripture is like a storehouse full of treasure. It's just waiting for you to go find it. And I know it's hard from a time standpoint. I just said having kids takes up tons of time, right? But we have to find time for Scripture, and we have to have fa- find time to dig in and actually see what's being said. And so, just to leave you with a quote uh, this last time. And so, only when we are willing to give up everything will we gain the freedom to do anything. God is our restorer. And if we believe the truth, if we believe Scripture that says He has what's good for us, Let's give him everything. He gave us everything when Christ died on the cross for us. So let's give back and die to him to give him everything. I'm going to pray, but we're going to go into a a time of communion uh, coming up. But I pray that you you do have ears to hear with this message and moving forward. Heavenly Father, Lord, Man, we we love you. We want to do your will. We want to be at peace with you, Lord. I just ask that you, when you speak to us, you make it loud and clear. Heavenly Father, and when you speak to us, give us ears to hear. Break down those walls where we're unwilling to listen. Open up your truth to us, Lord. Open up that, the treasure that's there for us. And give us the endurance to, to go look for it. We love you in your precious name, amen.